On today's Locked on Jayhawks, Kansas snaps their three-game losing streak. They win in Lexington over Kentucky Wildcats. Let's break it down on today's episode of the show. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Been a while since we've been able to break down a, a win, and we're going to do that today. KU winning in Lexington over Kentucky. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. So you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, wherever. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Subscribe there. And on today's edition of the show, yes, we are breaking down the Kansas-Kentucky game. Big win for KU to bounce back, to snap their three-game losing streak. Doesn't count for the Big 12 race, but hey, it maybe feels like it gets you in the right direction again, headed into a very, very important next week and a half, three games. I mean, they're all important in the Big 12, but especially these next. But first, today's episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. So Kansas wins in Lexington over Kentucky. It was a game that, you know, you had, I guess, I don't know. I, I hesitate to say slightly slow start, but overall a good first half for KU. Uh, what I'm talking about here, KU gets down nine to four. And I, I do think that like that has clearly been an issue for KU lately. They have had slow starts. You know, you, you get down 18 to seven against Baylor. You get down 15 and a half to Oklahoma State. You uh, on and on and on down the list of, of having games with slow, slow starts. I almost think that when they got down nine to four, like nine to four is not, I, I wouldn't classify being down nine to four as a slow start. It's just, they had a few more extra possessions than you because KU scores on like the next possession down the, if it's, it's 13 to four. And then, okay, we're talking about like nine to four is, I don't know. That's a very like almost basic stretch of one team winning a few minutes, but not getting like blown. So I almost felt like you saw some people like, oh, here we go again. It's a bad start. They're down nine to four. And it's like, all right, well, that's just, you know, the narrative right now is they are having slow starts, which is a fair narrative. And you're just like ready to jump all over it again. It's like, calm down. It's nine to four. Uh, but anyway, it ends up going and KU leads at halftime. They never relent the lead in the second half. Really impressive victory for KU going on the road and winning. It was obviously a huge bounce back for several individuals, which was very important because that part of it is the part that um, makes you feel like you're getting back in the right direction, headed into Big 12 play, that you saw some players who had been in a bit of a rut turn things back around. And you even saw some nice bench minutes and some nice minutes from some of the freshmen with the big men, which was really important for you to kind of show off a little bit of your potential and, and I don't know if maybe this game came at a good time just in terms of hey maybe we have a longer leash to play some of those freshmen in a game like this because it doesn't count the big 12 play and you saw some of those better flashes from some of the freshmen or it could have just been that hey KJ got two early fouls and you kind of had to do it but 
Either way, it kind of ended up working. Um, he held them to four offensive rebounds. They were the number one team in the country by offensive rebounding rate coming into the game, led by Oscar Sheboy. He held them to four offensive rebounds. That's it. Baylor at 18. You, meanwhile, had eight offensive rebounds. So something you came in to the game going, we just hope we don't get beat up on the glass. You made it your strength as opposed to their strength. You also had just 10 turnovers. They had 11, um, which not a huge number either way, but you add it together. That's five extra possessions. It's five extra shots, basically, for KU. And who would have thought this coming into the game? KU had a 40 to 38 edge in points in the paint. So basically, with the rebounding, the points in the paint, more than you could have ever bargained for or thought you might have been able to coming into the game. Very, very impressive from really all the big men for KU. I mean, you combine what the centers did with KJ, Ernest, Zuby. Really, really productive game, especially when you factor in the competition you were going up against. Now, on one hand, it's funny. The win doesn't really mean much. It's, you know, a win over a Kentucky team that it's not like a, you know, top 15 win. And who knows if Kentucky keeps playing better like they had in the four games coming into it. Then maybe at the end of the regular season, we'll look at it and it will be a, a very marquee win for you. It a quad win, so that, that is important. But it doesn't mean much because it doesn't count to Big 12 play. Um, it, It's not going to be your primary marquee win. It's, you know, not going to be the difference most likely between you being like a one or a two seed, hypothetically. But on the other hand, that win meant everything. Because even though it doesn't count to the Big 12 race, if you have any chance, if you want to win the Big 12, you got to start playing better. And so that game represented an opportunity for kind of a get-right game. And that's kind of what happened. A lot of players started playing better in a big moment where you expected them to be up for it. You had some extra days in between when you last played with Monday against Baylor, and you were able to take advantage of that, and you looked like a much better team. Now, certainly there are still flaws in this team. Like, you know, defense wasn't great. There were a lot of maybe easy lanes to the rim, times where you left certain guys open, but, you know, or times where maybe uh, the offense wasn't super pretty, but, like, you know, you figured a lot of stuff out. And that was a tough physical win. That was an impressive win in how you did it, matching up against a very physical Oscar Shibway in Kentucky. So even though the win doesn't, help you with your kind of main goal right now of winning the big 12 it very much helps you in just being a overall better team and getting on that path just internally and shaking away all of the issues and some of the losses that have been plaguing you lately over these last three games just to start feeling good again just to start getting right again and that was really important to get that mojo kind of going in the right way headed into this week because now you have kansas state on tuesday night you have at Iowa State the following Saturday, and then you're home against Texas the following Monday. This is as big of a three-game stretch that KU is going to have in the regular season left. I mean, that's, you know, uh, with with the level of competition you're playing, that's like equivalent to Elite Eight Final Four National Championship type stuff. And it's going to heavily determine the Big 12. So you had to kind of get right in this game as opposed to being limping into the game. And that's kind of what Kansas did by winning in Lexington, but obviously more in front of you with those games, including Tuesday night against Kansas State. Um, but that just kind of felt necessary to get you on the right track 
to be on a positive headed into hosting uh, the Kansas State game. Okay, we're going to get to our goats of the game. We've got a, a lot of good ones for KU because certainly there were some really good performances for the Jayhawks. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download the FanDuel app now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money line to point spreads to who's going to score a touchdown. Um, I love it using it for the KU games because you can bet on these different parlays like players to score 10 plus points. I hit one where it was like, I don't know, I, I think it was like Grady Dick, 10 plus points, KJ Adams, 10 plus points, Jalen Wilson, 15 plus points, and then Jalen, six plus rebounds, Dewan six plus assists. And you add all that stuff up together, like some of them might be minus odds, but you're going to get a good return if you can hit some of that stuff. And it's just kind of fun to get put together. It makes, you know, some extra stuff to root for in the game. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on the Super Bowl 57 game. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Disclaimer in the details and uh, kind of show page down here. Okay, goats of the game for KU. We'll start with the good. Uh, first up, Jalen Wilson continues to have these just fantastic performances. And it felt good, I think, that KU finally was able to reward his very strong effort with a victory. 22 points. He shot 50% from the field, 9 of 18, 2 for 3 from downtown. Also added 8 rebounds, uh, 2 assists, 2 steals, played 39 minutes. This is kind of becoming a trend where he's just being a you know, a warrior out there and playing like every possible minute that he can. Um, but he was so good. Kept hitting big shots for you. He hits that big three down the stretch. He hits the uh, other one or gosh, I think, I don't know. There's another one where it was like foot was on the line and ended up being a two pointer. He was just so good. And again, efficient shooting 50%. The last four games, man, he is on an absolute tear and it stinks from the national player of the year conversation. Cause I, I feel like Zach Eady's just going to win it. Um, and honestly, like right now, I don't really have a problem with it. Like Purdue is you take Zach Eady off that team. I, I know if you take Jalen Wilson off KU, it, it gets a lot worse, obviously. But like Zach Eady is Purdue and he's just putting up ridiculous numbers. But that shouldn't discount how good of a season Jalen's having. Well on his way to Big 12 Player of the Year and first team All-American. KJ Adams gets a good goat. 17 points. He was 8 of 10 from the floor against Oscar Shibway. Two rebounds, three assists, two steals. Now, with Oscar Shibway, he's not really known for his defense. But he is a big, strong guy. So it can be tough to go into his body. It can be tough to maybe post up on him. A lot of times what people take advantage of is maybe he can't, isn't fleet of foot. You can space him a little bit. Maybe you can use your quickness to get by him. A lot of KJ's buckets on him came just going straight into his chest which shows you how strong KJ is. But I think that was something you hadn't seen the last two games. Like when we, when he had that like double digit game stretch of double digit points, 
it wasn't just catching lobs or the pick and roll and he was getting an easy pass to get an easy layup or dunk or hitting the occasional like little push shot from the mid-range. It was that he was being able to, to take the ball from the high post. And if the guy was, you know, a step, half a step off him, he was able to take that space and gather up a bit of momentum off a dribble, take it into the guy's body and hit the contested layup because he had the momentum going forward and he's a strong guy. But the last couple games, he really struggled. You look at like one for six in the TCU game. I think the Baylor game, he something around there, one for five. I don't remember at this point. Um, But he really struggled hitting those shots. Kentucky, it got back to what we're used to. And I know the, the rebounding numbers weren't great. This is something Bill Self talked about earlier last week. The KJ, even though the rebounds haven't always been there, has been really good at boxing out his guy. But that's reliant on other players being able to get the rebound if he's just boxing out his guy. And that Bill Self wants him to start getting the rebounds too. But in this specific game where you're battling Oscar Shibwe, if you just box out Oscar Shibwe, you're doing your job. So he only had two rebounds. But like Kevin McCuller, who we're going to talk about in a second here, he had 12. Jalen Wilson had eight. Brady Dick had a handful. That stuff doesn't happen without KJ boxing out Oscar. Uh, Kevin McCuller gets a good go. 11 points. He was four of 10 from the floor, one of two from three. The, the three he missed again. When when Kevin misses shots, they are they are uh they, they don't just barely miss it, it. It's a noticeable miss. But he hits the big three for you again, hitting kind of a clutch shot. Um, he has been good on like cuts and hitting layups, but again, overall the offensive game, the scoring, not like you know, advanced, but he dominated this game on the defensive side and with his rebounding. 12 rebounds for Kevin. That's back-to-back games with a dozen rebounds. For Kevin McCuller, he also had two assists and his defense was the game changer. Two steals, one block. He dealt with the kind of like rolled ankle. But you could see it when when he came out of the game versus when he was in. It's funny because he's not the guy who was defending Oscar Shibway. He's not a center, but he was the key to stopping Oscar Shibway because Kevin McCuller is your best double team player. He's good at getting the ball out. He has length. He has quickness. He has smarts. So he is your best option when you have to double-team a good big man. And when he's not in the game, that's where the troubles pop up. So he kind of is your key to stopping big men, which is kind of funny. And you saw the difference when he was out versus when he was in on the defensive side of the ball uh, against Kentucky when he briefly went out with the ankle. Good go for Dewan Harris. Uh, slow first handful of minutes for Dewan. First few minutes is like, oh, what's going on here? Like had a, a turnover to kind of struggling to probe through. And then he hit the three, and that kind of settled him Settled him in. It felt like he hit another three, and then he just ended up being that, that puppeteer that we always think about, where it's not always noticeable what he's doing, but he's not making any mistakes, and he's getting everybody in the right situation. And every so often, he'll hit the occasional shot. That's what they need from this guy. You know, they don't need him to score 12, 15 points every night. Just get six to eight, you know, don't have a ton of turnovers. In the last few games, he had been at three, four turnovers a game. And he'd only been scoring one and a half points per game. He got eight points. He had eight assists. He only had two turnovers. Played 37 minutes. Kansas' team had just 10 turnovers. Big reason why is Dewan. Ernest Uday gets a good goat. And honestly, I'll give an honorable mention one to Zuby. It's unfortunate. He only played four minutes, two points and a rebound. Um, but then he had the, the ankle injury. But, like, if you combine, if, if if you just combine together bench big, Ernest Uday plus Zuby, you got really good production. But Ernest gets on here. He had four points. He goes two for two from the floor, 
two rebounds, one steal in 12 minutes. Honestly, when I looked at the box score after the game, I was like, those stats feel kind of modest for the impact I thought he had. Because, you know, 12 minutes, you double that. Like, hypothetically, if he was the starting center and he played 24 minutes, that's eight points, four rebounds. Like, those are kind of modest numbers. And it felt like he had a big impact in there. He he has the two alley-oop dunks where it was like, how did he even reach those balls? It felt like when he was out there, Oscar Shibway wasn't really able to like carve out too much space. It felt like when he was out there, KU rebounded really well. So I, I do think this is in kind of the same ilk of KJ. I feel like he did a good job boxing out Oscar and maybe other players got the rebound, but he achieved the main goal of that possession, boxing out the toughest guy in college basketball to box out. And I thought he had a, a really good impact, but um, you combine Uday and Edgefer, 16 minutes played, six points, three rebounds. Again, kind of modest stats, but the impact both of them had in just not getting beat up was very important. And so you add it all together for the center play. That gives you 40 minutes between KJ, Ernest, and Zuby. They had a combined 23 points, five rebounds, uh, three assists, like three steals. I mean, that's a really impressive outing from the center position against a guy who was the national player of the year last year. Okay, on to our bad goats. We only have two, as you'd imagine. Um, the Bobby, Joe, and MJ minutes. I just kind of lumped it all together because in the case of all of them, with Bobby, Joe, and MJ, it was kind of empty calories. You put it together, 17 minutes played between those three. Zero points scored, 0 for 3 from the field, one assist to one turnover, two fouls. So while it felt like KU took steps in the right direction with their bench big man, it does not feel like they took any steps in the right direction with their bench guard positions. Um, with Joe, it was a little disappointing for me because he was on Hawk Talk earlier last week, and Bill Self talked about how he can impact things off the bench as a scorer and that he believed in him and all these things, and then it was a tough game for Joe, and he didn't play a ton. MJ got a little extended run, but, you know, it. Oh, it wasn't really an impressive outing for him. He didn't do a ton, but then like he comes in in the second half and he just gives up two immediate buckets and he gets pulled. So you're still trying to find that bench guard. Maybe you're starting to find the bench center. It's still just one game. So we'll wait and see, but it is an you know, impressive game. When you look at the competition, they got to figure out that bench guard position. And then the sec, uh, all about the big 12. They won the big 12 sec challenge <coughs> seven to three, excuse me. So, Good one for KU. All right, we're going to take a time out here and uh, come back and do a quick K-State preview on Locked on Jayhawks. All right, we're back here with Locked on Jayhawks as uh, K-State is KU's next game, and we'll talk more about it with Nick Schwert for our show that's going to come out on Tuesday. So K-State is, uh, I don't know what they'll be ranked by the time this comes out, but they were number five last week. They lost to Iowa State, and then they blew out Florida. They'll, they'll I would assume still be a top 10 team, uh, but they're 25th on Ken Palm, 18 and three on the season. And this is really important. I mean, KU has to win this game. You already lost in Manhattan. They're six and two in big 12 play. You're five and three. I mean, if, if you win your next three games at worst, you're tied for first in the big 12 because of who you play in this collection. But this is a must win in terms of going up against another big 12 title contender. You can't get swept and you're playing at home. You already lost a Big 12 home game. At this point, you can't lose a second. You got to hold serve the rest of the way. Now, Ken Palm has it. KU winning by six. If 
the spread is six. I probably take, I just, again, anytime I see a spread that's like more than one possession in the big 12, I just want to take the, the team with more points, but it makes you feel good after the Kentucky game where this team is headed. Certainly Kansas state poses certain matchup issues for Kansas. Um, you look at them, they've really improved on the defensive end of the floor over the last couple of weeks. And uh, the offense has always been good. They play very fast, as we've talked about before in the previous matchup. Um, they turn it over a good amount offensively, does K-State, but they get offensive rebounds. They shoot it well from two. They shoot it well from three. Uh, defensively, they're really good at, at preventing three-point shots on the outside, and teams haven't shot well from them against uh, or from the outside from three. They have the number one three-point defense in the Big 12. Now, some of that might be a bit of luck. Teams might just be missing open threes, as we saw was the case for Kansas when they played in Manhattan. So maybe that'll correct itself, and K-State is due for some bad luck from the three-point line. You look back to the last one, though, K-State won 83-82 to in overtime. K-State got out to a hot start. Can KU get that hot start now playing in home this time? Um, Jalen Wilson was great, 38 points. Goes 9 of 15 on twos, 3 of 10 on threes, 11 of 12 on free throws. But it wasn't enough because you had three players foul out. Have the sneaking suspicion you won't have as many players foul out in this game. Now, Dewan also struggled. He was just one for seven. Uh, Grady couldn't hit a three. He was one for eight, but he was good in other areas. And then uh, Kevin McCuller really struggled. He had zero points. You didn't really get anything from the bench. Five points from Joe Yasifu. And then you look at the flip side. So things that, you know, K-State did well. Um, Marquise Noel had only four points. I would expect that number is going to go up, though. Maybe that does bode well that Dewan defended him very well. Um, Keontae Johnson was really tough to to guard for KU. He had 24 points, but I think if Kevin McCuller avoids the foul trouble, like that's the guy you kind of stick on him, though. I thought Jalen Wilson did well on him down the stretch, but also, you know, Jalen has such a big load offensively. You don't want him over the course of a game having to defend their best wing and do that. Like, it's just a lot. I would assume Desi Sills isn't going to have 24 points on, you know, what, 7 of 11 shooting again. But I guess you never know because that does tend to happen against KU. There's always kind of that one guy who who just goes off. So um, I think you look at it about, like, the big thing to me is what is KU going to do defensively in this game? We saw early they were trying to switch everything, and Marquise Noel just took advantage, was getting into the teeth of the defense. They were getting open shots out of it in the first meeting. And then eventually KU changed up and it was just like Dewan just chase Marquise Noel off of ball screens and, you know, stick on maybe Keontae Johnson or something with Jalen Wilson or Kevin McCuller, whoever was out there at the time. And so I think with K-State specifically, it makes more sense to kind of stick on your guy and maybe have a few switches here or there, but especially with Noel, like not be able to switch him maybe. And KU did a lot better when that was the case. And I wonder if we'll just see that for the entirety of the game this time. Um, but must win for KU. Should be a good game. Two very good teams. And uh, excited to, to watch it on Tuesday. Should be uh, very hyped up in the fieldhouse, especially coming after the Kentucky victory. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll talk more KUK State, KU Kentucky, and a little who's stat line is it anyway with Nick Schwert on tomorrow's episode of the show. Uh, you can subscribe wherever you find your podcast. You can find us on YouTube too. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. See some of you on Rock Truck Sports Talk on Monday. Till then, later.